Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show. Welcome to the Half a Bird Sports Show. You have so many options for high flying entertainment, yet you chose to ride with us, and we definitely appreciate that. It's the solo weekend, so I'm going to take over by myself, all the way by myself. And because you have options, rate us and review us. Please give us the five stars. If you don't think we deserve the five stars, give us five anyway. Gifted. We have a loaded show of topics for you to ride to. We're going to talk about the NBA and the All-Stars. Zion makes his valiant return. A few retirements and some that should retire. And we'll keep the heroes versus villains going. Solo Weekend starts right now. Hey, y'all. I didn't know if y'all knew this. Um, The NBA season has officially started today. Well, not today. It was yesterday. But... Well, when you hear this, it'll be two days ago, but the NBA season finally started on Wednesday. Right. It started the week before Super Bowl, which is a little bit earlier than normal, but it's officially here, Uh, meaning the biggest storyline that we have for the year has finally began to meet in the NBA. That storyline itself is Zion Williamson, baby. This whole season has been revolved around him and us anticipating him hitting the court. He finally did it. He showed up, and no lie, he didn't disappoint, nor did he not show out. So with the numbers, Zion walked out there. He finished up with, uh, what's that, 22 points. He scored 17 straight points for the Pelicans in only like 18 minutes of play. You can't beat that. That's 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 what you want when it comes to bringing a player of Zion's caliber into the league. You want breathtaking performances like that because why? That's why we watch basketball. That's why we follow stars like him. And to me, he literally is going to be able to revive New Orleans basketball all by himself if he can stay healthy. But I say that it started last week because for me, I've been watching some basketball, but not that much. Only because it's not its not that it's not that interesting. I talked about why the ratings were down a couple shows ago, and we're going to keep that going on today. But I don't feel like there's much to really, you know, gravitate to. There's not... There's not one villain to hate. There's not one hero to love. There's a little too much going on. And when we get into a scatterbrained situation, you lose interest quickly. You know what I'm saying? So Zion now has brought us attention that we need and something to actually focus on. Now, of course, a lot of fans were abruptly disappointed at the fact that 
he only played 18 minutes. But what did you expect from a guy that just came off of a knee injury, especially at his size, and now it's always the worry with him anyway, is that he physically wasn't going to be able to uh, last long in the NBA. His size, he's the size of a football player. And a lot of people wondered, is he going to be able to hold up? Is he going to, like I said, last? And so them take, being more precautious with him coming into this game, I totally applaud them. I mean, it makes sense. There's a lot of logic behind it. But the best part about Zion is the fact that even though he played 18 minutes, he got his 22 points, and he he made his minutes matter. There was a purpose for him on that court. And so, of course, I was reading a nice little article on Yahoo. There's a couple of really good ones on here from uh, Vincent Goodwill as well as um, Jason Owens. They did a really good job of kind of breaking up how how the game went. And there was a few, and there's actually a couple more articles I was looking at where they even followed the entire moment of him going from the from shoot around practice to go walking through the tunnel and everything. And it's super exciting. It's definitely something worth looking at, reading, and at the same time soaking in. So special shout out to all those Pelican fans, Pelicans fans out there, because you guys got to just really take this in. He did it just at the house. And whoo, I was anxious. I was really curious to see what was going to happen. And as the game started, you could see him going. He, he went slow. He played a pretty much unselfish game, kind of what Vincent was mentioning in his article on Yahoo. He focused on everything that makes basketball sense, right? He made all the right basketball plays. And we know that a lot of you hate when players make the right basketball plays. You want everybody to be super selfish, and that's not something that he's going to do. He he dropped, he was dropping dimes initially, grabbing rebounds, making some solid passes. He was out there playing. And so as I was preparing myself to go to bed, I'm like, okay, he's on a minutes restriction. Chance he's not going to show too much. I may go ahead and go to sleep. Watch the Thunder earlier. I'm going to watch this. And as soon as Zion really got going, that mini explosion, whoo, I was ready for bed. He went out there, scored 17 straight points in three minutes. Three minutes. And that is what we were hoping from Zion coming into this game. So, I mean, there's not very many players that have the hype that Zion had coming into the league. I mean, you can think about the LeBron James of the world. Then you have Zion. And to be absolutely honest, in between there, I can't really think of anybody that had, like, I mean, hype, hype. I mean, Sebastian Telfair had a TV show about him. That's cool. I think they had something going on about Lance Stevenson at some point. But there was, there's no player out there that's had this type of attention. I mean, I mean, this type of this is a lot of attention for a player of his caliber. Because I remember watching the film on Zion in high school, and I'm looking at him like, dude, you're basically balling on five foot Catholic white boys. Like, where is what what makes me think this is going to translate? Then he went to Duke. Then I was like, oh, this this probably will move on to another level. And playing with a player like he did with R.J. Barrett, his ability to defer and still take over the game. Yeah, I saw I saw superstar written all over him. Then preseason he looked really good. Then he got hurt. So that's your timeline 
when it comes to Zion. And so now I'm asking myself, am I falling victim to the hype train or do I really see, do I really see greatness out of him? And to be honest, four for four from three at his size, 22.7 boards, three assists, eight for 11 from the field. I mean, he did have five turnovers in only 18 minutes, but outside of the stats, the dude was everywhere. And I got to say, his first actual NBA game, I was impressed. He looked good. And then when he flipped that switch on and went out there and started balling, man, I, I, I'm happy that the NBA season has officially started now. We've got some good content moving forward. And so, hey, keep your eyes open and just, just watch Zion move. Just watch him. Make sure you find the opportunity to catch him play. Because, bruh, he is the real deal. All right, so quick transition in. We have to give a special shout-out to someone special. He's played in the NFL for like 100 years, it feels like. And he decided to go ahead and retire. And that is the man himself, Eli Manning. And I'll say Eli Manning had himself a career. I'm not going to say it was a good career. I'm not going to say it's a bad career. I'm going to say he had a career. This was a job for a career for him. Unlike some of you all listening probably today working a job and you don't see yourself being there very long. Eli knew that he was going to be in the position he was from the day he got drafted and forced his way out of San Diego. Him and his family knew that he was going to play forever. And the man has some, has some amazing accolades. I mean, accolades, 210 consecutive games from November 21st of 04 through November 23rd of 17, which is the third longest streak by a quarterback in NFL history. He's never missed a game due to injury, which is beyond impressive being a quarterback, especially for the New York football giants, where it seems like some of their players get leveled. He did a really good job of staying healthy and taking care of himself. And so, and then of course he had those two great playoff runs from in 07 and 11, where they were wild card teams won four straight games and won the Super Bowl over the mighty Patriots he's able to beat the hoodie and so now we get to celebrate a career that literally his record was 117 and 117 the definition of mediocrity the definition of vanilla ice cream the all shucks of football Eli Manning has retired and I've going through this and this is the funny thing of course the conversation has already started on him being a hall of famer and i laugh because personally i don't think he's a hall of famer there 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 should be something some sort of requirements at becoming a hall of famer where you have to in some point of your career be the best in the season and that's something i'm gonna get into but because of this now we have two others that are at the age of actually older than Eli Manning that need to go ahead and do the same thing, which is Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. Now, we all know that Phillip Rivers has moved to Florida permanently with his family. 
getting out of San Diego, which basically says that he's not going to be the quarterback with the San Diego Chargers next season. Not sure. Not San Diego. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers. My apologies. But he lived in San Diego. He actually commuted, which was really cool. He had like a cruiser and he had a driver that would drive him from his home in San Diego to practice in L.A. every day forward and back. I mean, when you when you're making the bread, this dude does. You, you can't do that. And so he has he says that he wants to continue to play. And then, of course, Tom Brady's contract up. We talked about it last show, how he was in theory embarrassed by the salary that he's made as a quarterback for the Patriots. And he is open to playing elsewhere. I doubt Bob Kraft's going to allow this man to go anywhere else. But, you know, it is wishful thinking for us to see him in a New Jersey. I don't I am excited at the idea of it because. I want to see if Tom Brady can do it without the hoodie, without uh, without without Josh McDaniels, if he can make the magic happen. I mean, we've seen, never seen him do anything big without Josh McDaniels, besides lose two Super Bowls. But he has he has won six with Josh in some capacity on the staff. So I'm kind of curious to see if he can he can do it. But but at the same time, I do think that him, Philip Rivers, should go ahead and do what Eli did and hang it up and call it a day. We all know that Tom Brady is a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no question about that. Phillip Rivers is a fringe guy. Statistically, he's up there, but I don't think that he is going to get in. Just because, I mean, he put up some very good numbers, but I don't think he is Hall of Fame worthy. If I'm correct, I'm going to look this up real quick. I think that Phillip Rivers... Did uh, get a Pro Bowl, uh, a All Pro nod, uh, but I, I'm honestly not sure if he is, you know, worthy for the Hall of Fame. But then, then that leads you to the conversation, right? Eli's like, well, okay, everybody now with the All Shucks Gang, and I call them the All Shucks Gang because the All Shucks Gang Gang is out here now advocating for Eli Manning to be placed in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Listen to me now. I'll tell you this straight up, point blank period. Eli should not be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So his numbers. He is seventh all-time in yards, up there in touchdowns as well, I think. But you got to remember that I'm looking at the awards for Eli Manning right now, and Eli Manning has not – he does have two Super Bowl MVPs, which is awesome. He's made four Pro Bowls in his 16 years in the NFL. Four. Keep in mind that players, that it's really easy to become a Pro Bowler in the NFL. Don't kid yourself. It's a lot easier than you think. And the reason why I say it's a lot easier than you think is because players will sit out the Pro Bowl due to injury or because they're playing in the playoffs in a heartbeat. Dudes will say they have a hangnail and will not go to the Pro Bowl, still get the Pro Bowl accolades, but then it's passed down to somebody else to play. Super common that other people get in the Pro Bowl because of injuries to other players. So common. But guess what? Eli made four in 16 years with the New York Giants. Also, he has never, ever, ever been in all pro quarterback now Philip Rivers has not either he's gotten he's got an AP comeback player of the year he's got what's this four eight pro bowls a lot of player of the weeks 
Looks like he's got uh, 10 of those with four players of the month. Pretty solid, pretty solid. But I don't see him making it to the Hall of Fame either. So I'm trying to figure out the argument behind Eli Manning getting there because he won two Super Bowls and he got two Super Bowl MVPs. Okay, I could, I would get that if Eli Manning did more in his career. He's literally the all shucks of football, going 117 out of 117 in wins and losses. No All Pros, four Pro Bowls in 16 years. Oh yeah, he's never won a playoff game besides those two Super Bowl runs. So it's either A, there was a lot of pieces around him that allowed them to do that, or B, he he couldn't win it by himself. He couldn't win a game. And we've watched Aaron Rodgers do that, which is he's a Hall of Famer. We've watched Aaron Rodgers win games by himself. We've watched Tom win some games to, to, to get them over a hump. You see a lot of great quarterbacks win games, but... We haven't seen anything like that out of Eli or Phillip. I don't think that either one of them will make the Hall of Fame. They shouldn't. And to me, is that all shucks group that's arguing for Eli are the same ones that are arguing for Julian Edelman to be a Hall of Famer. When Julian Edelman's never led any statistical category in a season while he's been in the NFL, I think he's had two thousand yard seasons in his 10 years i mean the hall of fame is supposed to, it's not supposed to be hall of very good i've always figured the hall of fame should be about greatness and people doing feats that others can't or struggle at doing but we're trying our hardest a lot of people are trying their hardest to give a pass to eli manning to get him into this hall of fame i'm thoroughly disappointed that people are actually considering that so do me a favor swallow that nobody want to hear that no more Ain't no Eli Manning going to the Hall of Fame. Okay, so me and Jimmy have been going back and forth over the last couple of weeks around our assessments of who the heroes are and villains in the NBA. You know, if you listen to the Jimmy's last solo show, small recap, he didn't like my hero selections at all. He liked them, but he didn't like them. He felt like they were good and they were also bad. And he kind of gave a reason why on both ends. And so he provided a list of heroes, not going to read them. It's not important because what's important is my list of heroes. I'm providing you heroes and I'm also going to do what he did. I'm going to provide you some villains as well to give you an opportunity to choose who to follow here in the NBA. Now, before I get started on that, the all-star starters were announced today and it literally segues perfectly into who our villains are and who we should be cheering for. Okay. So the West all-stars that were selected recently are LeBron James is the West uh, captain. So he'll be the one picking his players, uh, picking uh, his team. So it'd be Team LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis made it, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, and James Harden, as far as voting goes. They were your starters there. On the east side, their captain is Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then the additional starters are Pascal Siakam, 
Joel Embiid, Kimball Walker, and Trey Young. Now, that one is a controversial one because everybody's saying his team sucks. Why is he a all-star? Easy why he got selected to be an all-star. One, because he deserves it. Number two, he leads the league in double teams faced at at half court. And it's by a wide margin. If I'm correct, I think he's faced over 190 190, um, double teams as soon as he hit half court to where the next person to him, I think, is James Harden at like 130, like 50 more over the season. That's a lot. That means that as soon as he touches the ball, teams are hounding him. And guess what? He's still putting up some pretty good all-star numbers. So, yeah, Trey deserves to be in – a starter because I'm trying to think of who else in the East that point guard deserves to be over him because Kyrie hasn't played most of the season. Um, Yeah, I can't think of anybody else, if you want me to be honest. There's nobody else there to actually do it. So with these starters, this really gives us back who I feel like these our villains and our heroes should be this season for us to cheer for to get us back interested. We got to find a way to raise the ratings of the NBA and having this list is the way we're going to do it. So let's go ahead and just dive right into it right now. Right. So last week, my rankings, my last solo show, my last rankings I had near number five was Jimmy Butler as your hero four Pascal Siakam, three Trey young two the golden state warriors as a team and number one Giannis. And the reasoning behind most of these is especially with golden state is the league is better when you have one true villain to really hate. So when Golden State gets back up there and they continue to evolve the game of basketball or the way the game of basketball is played, we will hate them so much that we will be back into basketball because we'll be looking for new heroes to dethrone them. You got to have that. And so, no, the Warriors aren't villains. They were villains because they got Kevin Durant, but they became a little bit more villainish before because they were able to knock teams off and teams could not counter them. And that's fine. That's fine that you guys hate them so much. And as Jimmy mentioned, that, that you can't make them a hero. But that, I still disagree that you you can make them a team that you want to get better. Because if they get better, the league gets better. You think the league is better without them? It ain't. Too much parody, man. It's not as fun as you think. It's too much to think about. Too much going on. It's too... I mean, we... we we have very short attention spans. So we need something that's going to suck us all the way in because if your attention span is all over the place like all of ours are for the most part, you're jumping from game to game to person to person and you're not really taking in a full game itself. Like I can barely watch a full NBA game right now besides a Thunder game because it's just, I mean, it's okay. It's cool. I mean, the basketball play is still good, but I, I want – I want certain people to cheer for. And the other issues you run into is so many players end up sitting out games. And every time you look up, somebody's hurt. And so it's just, it's like, oh, I don't even want. I'm, the Pelicans were on TV all the time. And they didn't have Zion. Well, they were supposed to be. And they, the NBA got smart and started get, pulling their games. They started going ahead and putting the other teams on, which is logical. So this week's, we, the rankings have changed. We've added a couple, moved a couple, little shifts. So who's fallen off of the list this week uh, has been Jimmy Butler and Trey Young. They are honorable mentions. They are six and seven. You should keep them in your mind. And there's a chance that I could see Trey moving back up the rankings. But 
This week's at number five after dropping from the number two spot is the Golden State Warriors. You want them to be good. The better they are, to be honest, the better the NBA is. Why? Because when they get healthy and then they lose, it feels so much better than beating them when they're down. It's so much funner to beat a top team when they're at the top. And we rarely get that. It's no different than me talking about last segment about Eli Manning and why everyone wants to put him in the Hall of Fame. The only reason why people want to put him in the Hall of Fame isn't because of the Super Bowl MVPs. It isn't because of the Super Bowl wins. It's because of who he beat. He beat the evil empire, the New England Patriots. The Death Star was knocked off by Luke Skywalker, Eli Alshucks Manning. So that's the reason why everybody wants him in the, in the Hall of Fame. That's it. His numbers don't matter. The fact that he's 50-50, that he hasn't won a single playoff series outside of those two seasons. Yes, everyone wants him in because he beat the Patriots. And you can ask anybody. They'll say, oh, yeah, he beat the Patriots. He deserves to be in there. We want to knock off a great juggernaut. We do. That's what we want to do. So we need Golden State to get back up there so that a team can knock them off when they're fully healthy. Then we'll be happy. A good seven-game series with a buzzer beater similar to the way the Cavs did. That's why everybody was excited about the Cavs and that championship. Not only did Cleveland not have a championship in over 50 years, but mainly because they knocked off Golden State and they had to go run and get Kevin Durant. Number four, Pascal Siakam. I know, Jimmy, we don't care about people in Canada. We don't. I understand. We love you Canadians, eh? We love you guys. But at the same time, you're Canada in basketball in the U.S., we really don't. But Pascal has a story being the most improved player. And the way that he's playing, he's probably going to win that award again because he is even more much improved. And he is now an all-star starter. He should definitely be someone you want to cheer for and keep in Toronto relevant because it's him. It legitimately is him. Number three, new to the rankings, that I feel like is perfectly um, – so it's a perfect moment for him to join the rankings, which is Zion Williamson. We got to see him yesterday. He actually is what we thought he would be. He brought the excitement. And the best part is the excitement he brought wasn't even flashy dunks. We thought he's going to go out there and just dunk on everybody. No, he went out there and did hustle. He got rebounds. He put up shots. He made threes. He does everything. He, he made passes, dropping dimes. Boy. Zion is the one that we definitely should be cheering for as he moves into the rankings at number three. Number two, going back to Europe, hitting him with some Euros. Luka Doncic makes the rankings. He jumps from from the sixth spot up to number two. And I'm sorry, if you haven't sat down and watched a game of Luka Doncic, you are missing out. It's a treat. It's such a delight watching him just work people over with I think one of the smoothest games I've seen in a while he literally plays like he played basketball in the 80s super slow doesn't have much of a first step but his step back is lethal like a James Harden but he still has a way of getting past people like he has the old man James Harden Paul Pierce type game like it looks like he could not be fast enough to run past anybody but he takes you to the butter and he gets buckets he's one to definitely cheer for Number two, Giannis. Got to cheer for – I'm sorry, number one is Giannis. We're going to keep him at the number one spot, mainly because it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, and we all love Giannis, and I feel like he is the guy that we should definitely continue to cheer for to knock off all the bad guys. And so here's the villains I feel like I'm going to re-rank Jimmy's. 
because I feel like he missed out on a couple of pieces. Number five on the rankings for the villains for myself that you should be cheering against is James Harden. The dude just missed 16 three-pointers in the game and cost his team a 17-point lead. If if that's not enough reason to start to not like the dude, I don't know what is. And I had a, and I like the dude, but he's starting to become one of those guys you need to just cheer against. Four, LeBron James. He's a villain just because he's LeBron James. His name is LeBron James. His son, Bronny's getting stuff thrown at him at games because his name is Bronny James. So just make him number four. <laughs> number three, Joel Embiid. He's not trolling like he used to, but, man, they're having some dysfunction in Philadelphia, and it's so much fun watching them look all pitiful. So, yeah, kind of cool to watch how the process is not processing properly. Number two, Kawhi Leonard. As much of an advocate as I am for load management, I love that people don't like him for load management. It's kind of weird, right? I don't have a problem with it because I understand the science behind it, mainly because there's something wrong with the dude. The dude's hurt. He's finding ways to play through it, but he's hurt. Makes me think about Grant Hill playing with his ankles, getting them cortisone shots to go out there and continue to hoop, and it cost him seven years of his career. Kawhi's doing something similar, but instead he's sitting out games to where he can play in the playoffs, and he's dominant when he is playing. He's a good person to cheer against. He was supposed to be in the Dragon Slayer. It looks like he's actually the Mad King. And in number one, everybody's favorite flat earth guy. Got to have Kyrie Irving as your number one guy to hate. He's the villain that you want to have as a villain. He is the one. He's the embodiment of a villain. He talks too much and then complains that people are listening too much. Who does that besides Kyrie Irving? So, yes, he is the one that is built for us to just despise and say, you know what? I just want to watch you lose. I want I want to watch someone cross you up, somebody dunk on you. That doesn't mean I want anything bad to happen to you. I still want to watch you play because you're still a very transcendent player. I mean, your his ability to cross folks up and drive and make shots, he can do so many things, but it's so much fun watching him lose because then you get great quotables out of him. He gives you all of his Kyrie-isms. And if you haven't heard any, go ahead to YouTube and find them. You'll you'll find some good stuff out of him with that. So, James Harden, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, and then number one, Kyrie Irving. Which is even more interesting that Kyrie didn't even make the all-star starters, even though we know he shouldn't have because he ain't played in like 40 weeks. But fans are still weird. They probably would have still given it to him anyway. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. The Super Bowl's coming up. Me and Jimmy's going to have our Super Bowl breakdown and kind of go over, probably try to go over our NFL preview show, kind of the final results uh, right before the Super Bowl, even though we still have one game left. We'll discuss it and try to figure out what we want to do. But I want to go in on uh, one of the coaches there. And I have to say that I'm thoroughly impressed with has been Kyle Shanahan and, he, and his ability to coach. I tweeted out something uh, earlier this week, and I'll make sure that the Half a Birds show uh, Twitter account retweets it so you guys can see it. But there was a video of Kyle Shanahan talking to the referees, and he told him, he's like, hey, watch this play. That say that, that linebacker can't hold George Kittle. He's going to – like he, he can't keep up with him, so he's going to hold him, and it's going to be a penalty. I guarantee it. It's going to be pass interference on this play. 
So then as the play came out and began, of course, Kittle does his out route. The linebacker holds the hell out of him. And as soon as he hits the ground and the ball hits the ground, the ref throws that flag. He saw it coming. So that's a good job by Kyle Shanahan. So it, it makes me pose the question of, is Kyle Shanahan really the quarterback of the 49ers a la Sean McVay? I don't know. But the big thing with, with Shanahan hasn't really even been his success on the field. It's been the fact that how he got on the field has been the biggest question. So and it, it leads to the conversation around nepotism and how bad it is in the NFL. Actually, how bad it is, period. But how really bad it is in the NFL. And why it really hurts the Rooney rule itself because of how it's set up. So let's talk about this. So let's look, a little history on Kyle Shanahan, not to knock the man because he has done some great things in his career. He started off, he played wide receiver at Texas, which I did not realize he was with uh, Major Applewhite um, with the Longhorns. That's, did not realize that. That's interesting. So he's a wide receiver for them, played maybe a year, had like 14 catches and like 100-something yards, not nothing too fancy, but he left and went and became a grad assistant with UCLA. Went from there, was a quality control coach under John Gruden in Tampa Bay. Left there, went to the Texans. He's a wide receiver coach. Left there. He was uh, he was promoted to offensive coordinator, youngest one ever. Three years younger than Josh McDaniels. He got promoted. Went to to Washington to join his father. Did the same thing. Cleveland Browns. He was there for a year because he disagreed with them uh, on the mandate of starting Johnny Manziel. He said he didn't want to start him. Then he went to the forty uh, to the Atlanta Falcons, which we know him doing very well of leading basically Matt Ryan to an MVP and abruptly losing the Super Bowl at that leading 28 to three, which is all blame on him. Now he's a 49ers head coach. So I gave you his long history. And this is the reason why I gave you his long history. I was listening to Chris long on Ryan Rosillo's show on Mondays uh, on the, on the podcast. And then they had a good conversation and Chris long, who is the child of Howie long made some phenomenal points. And this is the commentary he kind of talked about. He said, nepotism gets people in the door and it opens up opportunities. It doesn't mean that the coach is, the coach is bad at their job, but to be honest, the, the Rooney rule, the overarching problem with that is that nepotism is a tool used to look out for someone that isn't offered up to a lot of the black candidates. And he kind of pointed out how when it comes to that, the coach's kids, which Kyle Shanahan is the son of Mike Shanahan, who was the coach at the Denver Broncos, and he won two Super Bowls, et cetera, so on and so forth. He has the opportunity to sit in rooms that others really don't. You know what I'm saying? He was placed as a quality control coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under John Gruden, namely because he was Mike Shanahan's son. A bright son, but he was He's a Shanahan. That last name got him somewhere. And if you pay attention to the NFL, you'll notice that a lot of last names are common. You've heard them. You're like, I know that last name from somewhere. Come to find out his dad was also a coach. Rex Ryan, Buddy Ryan, 
I mean, you can go through Belichick's son, his own staff, and everybody's asking questions about that. There's a lot of things going on there, a lot of moving parts. But the coach's son and getting those opportunities, they're getting the opportunities that lead to head coaching jobs. And it's not always because they deserve it. It's typically because of the coach's son. So what happened, and Chris Long mentioned this, is a lot of the coach's kids that end up being staff members on the team, they get those quality control positions. And those quality control positions usually gives you access, especially on the offensive side, as the league's rules have changed since the 90s to really be beneficial to the offense. They are getting those positions where they are being groomed into head coaches. So basically, someone's looking out for them. Their father's looking out for them. Other coaches that know their father are looking out for them. That's not something that's afforded to candidates that are minorities in the NFL. Most minority coaches in the NFL are defensive guys. They're usually the only ones that are really given opportunity, former defensive players. We've had a ton of offensive guys, quarterbacks, uh, linemen, wide receivers, running backs, etc. in the NFL that could make some pretty good coaches that aren't giving aren't, aren't given the same opportunities as these coaches kids and that's where nepotism becomes a problem now, like I said it doesn't mean that the coach is bad it doesn't mean Kyle Shanahan's bad Kyle Shanahan's damn good at his job and it's very much apparent that he's really good at his job hence why the, the Falcons went to the Super Bowl with him as his OC as well as getting the 49ers and turning them around after being there only a year and getting a quarterback, he is doing a phenomenal job. And I don't want to take away from him, but at the same time, those two things can exist at the same time. Nepotism being an issue and Kyle Shanahan being really good at his job. That trend of these guys getting these opportunities that no one else is able to get, like I said, no one's looking out for these minority candidates the same way. Now, the, the closest person I've seen do that has been Bruce Arians, who, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his entire staff, are coordinators are all African. They're all black. And he did that on purpose. He purposely did that because he even said that the only way they're going to get this opportunity to move up, that's I'm, I, I feel like it's my obligation to bring those young and upcoming people uh, of color, especially minorities, to – so they can have a chance and they can be looked at. So Brian Leftwich is his OC and James Whitson had a really good season under Brian Leftwich. The only problem was that James is just reckless. He's a loose cannon. So it's either here nor there. Raheem Morris, I mentioned him on the Rooney Rule episode that I had, and he was considered like a Josh McDaniels, but the problem with Raheem Morris is Raheem Morris is a defensive coach. So this year he went to the Falcons, was coaching with the wide receivers because he he's trying to get offensive experience to get another opportunity to be a head coach, which he should have gotten one by now. He did well, but the Falcons defense was bad. Moved him over to the Falcons defense, and guess what? That defense went up. They started beating people. They beat the Saints. They started beating up on everyone. People were actually thinking that the Falcons were going to make the playoffs. They actually could have the way they were playing because of Raheem Morris. So a lot of the black candidates out there don't have people. They don't have enough Bruce Arians out there to look out for them. They're not being over. They have that oversight or making sure that they, they are placed in those QC positions to give them the opportunity to be in the quarterback room and become quarterback coaches because that, and that was the one thing that Chris Long made mention of. And I, and I did not realize this is that those QC positions they're scarce, they're hard to come by, 
and and teams protect that quarterback room. They don't let just anybody in there. They, they, they don't. So because of that, it's hard to prove your worth of a job when you don't have the opportunity to do the job, period. It's, so they, 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 they're giving the job to the position, honestly, that's to those that are the least deserving. I mean, I talk about Eric Bieniemy all the time. He should be somebody's head coach somewhere because I think that he, he should have the opportunity to show if he can or cannot do it. And we don't know if he can do it. But being that he was in the uh, QC role, he was groomed for this. So why haven't we the, – the Rooney rule, they've talked about expanding it to coordinator positions as well and in for having the owners have to meet with these people. I think this should be that because that's the one thing um, that um, I believe Bobani that made mention of it is that a lot of these owners and general managers hire people that look like them, that remind them of themselves. There's only one minority general manager in the NFL. There's zero minority owners in the NFL. So a lot of these people do hire the people that remind them of themselves. Head coaches hire people that remind them of themselves. Oh, yeah, he's a young, you know, he's a young me. He's going to be up and coming and do this. So they bring him in. There's not very many black coaches to do that same thing. And, you know, that's where we need to see more coaches or even create a second QC position and give it to a minority. Yes. Do like an affirmative action thing. I don't care. The problem is, is that we have to have those things created in order for those opportunities to be allowed. But that's, that's not something that's afforded to the black candidates. So if the NFL wants to get better, they may have, honestly, they could have been missing out on a lot of people. I think the only person that I know of the NFL has been begging to come up has been David Shaw. And I think David Shaw's reason, most likely reasoning for not going up is, is that if I go up there and I'm not as successful as you want me to be in my first couple of years, I'm fired and I never get another job. Whereas I can be at Stanford probably for the next 20 years if I really want to. And all I got to do is be okay. And they're going to take care of me and my staff and I will be able to enjoy my job. That makes sense. A lot of coaches, the leash is so short that a lot of coaches are like, I don't want to put myself in that predicament where I'm not going to get another opportunity. And so a lot of them are trying to get that offensive experience and it's tough. I mean, Joe judge was a wide receiver and special teams coordinator. Now I give him props for the special team side because that's a really tough job to get guys to do something that they don't want to do and make them be good at it. So Joe had a tough task. And so I have to wait and see what he's going to look like. And he's hiring a lot of former head coaches to help mold his staff, which I'm getting, I'm pretty impressed with. And I like when uh, you new young coaches do that, but I don't know what he's going to be here in the future. But I do know that he got that opportunity because he was on the offensive side and because somebody else gave an opportunity on the offensive side, Sean McVay, the young whippersnapper, 10 years, 10 years, in the league, basically in QC and offensive roles. How many black players get that opportunity that are, are given that? And I and I also ask this question. I want you to ask yourself this. If a black quarterback, black coach started hiring his kids every single time and putting them in all the, the offensive positions, would you be outraged? Or would you think that it's part of the game? I don't know. You tell me what you think. When it comes to that.
Well, I appreciate y'all joining me as usual here on our solo weekend show and half birth sports show. Make sure that you uh, rate us and review us. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve five stars? Yeah, let's give us five anyway and just gift it. For Ma, for Bob, Mike, and Wendy, thank you so much for staying up with me. My co-host Jimmy will have our next show next week. We do have videos up on the YouTube channel. I've been putting up a couple of videos. I'll have another one prepared for you this weekend. Just going over this show, expanding my thoughts on some on a couple of things, especially on my heroes and villains. So go ahead, like and subscribe. Share it with a friend because sharing is caring. So we'll catch you next week. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com/internet for details.